Well, good morning. I noticed all the introverts sat down really quick. All the extroverts, Tony, Tony, you need five more minutes? So does Lance. Oh, yeah. Sean. Hey, good morning. Is it that good for you? It's good for me. Uh, man, great week here. One of the things that I don't know if you know, and if you're new this morning, we welcome you, but so much happens on the floors of this campus. And I, you know, from blood drives to AP testing to we've done so many different things, but this week, as Bobby said, uh, four, over 466,000 meals were packed for kids in Haiti. Um, yeah, you can clap for that. And I know that we'll have, I know that God's going to provide the rest of that, and um, that's exciting. But can I, I'll give you a little pastoral insight on what I'm more excited about. I'm glad the food's going down there, and I know that's going to do a lot of great work. And the packing was amazing. Uh, very rarely in my church journey have I found uh, a lot of churches working together. Now, it's one thing, we're a non-denominational church. That kind of means we're a mutt church. We're, you know, take that in the right way. We're a blend of everything, you know. Don't, don't be offended. Um, I'm right with you. Uh, but we had a banner out here for Feed My Starving Children, and we had nine churches on that banner. Uh, the difference is, yeah, nine churches. You're going to really clap in a minute. Um, in those churches was a Lutheran church, a Catholic church, an Episcopal church, a non-denominational church, a Baptist church. Friends, that doesn't happen. Uh, we got to, Feed My Starving Children said, typically, what they've had is even non-denominational churches working together, uh, they have to split up the packing because they fight. They have to put them in separate times. Yeah, rid ridiculous, right? Uh, Man, what an amazing thing this week that over 2,000 volunteers and a blend of churches in Green Bay. Amen? It was amazing. Yeah. So really, it wasn't us that had this idea. We just kind of fell into this. We were interested in feeding my starving children, and, and uh, Bonnie and Marshall were the people that brought this into Green Bay from Appleton. But just a couple of these emails. Uh, some are from Bethel Lutheran. Uh, thank you, Bonnie and Marshall and the Green Bay team at Green Bay Community Church and everyone involved. What a blessing to join with you in carrying out this important work. Um, the response of people involved in the pack was so positive. Uh, thank you, GBCC. You are very special to us. Secondly, thank you for the beautiful workplace we were able to use. Isn't it amazing we get to use? I mean, the, this has more stains on it like than... Uh, seriously, it's amazing how many of you spill coffee in a, in a Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> And you can get kicked out of churches for that. I just want you to know. We still love you and all, all your spilling. But I love what happens on this floor. So that happened here. And so what a beautiful place. It was truly an amazing uh, that we call unaccomplished and work together in the name of our Lord. Pretty amazing. Uh, here's another one. It was a wonderful event. I'm just amazed at how it all comes together and gets done. It brings great joy to all of us to be a part of such a wonderful event, and we are so thankful for Community Church opening up their arms and welcoming us into their facility. Come on. Isn't that great? That's great for us to get a chance to do that. That's just a few. 
And I know that's our heartbeat. We just long to be a church that's open, not just to the broken, but to other churches. And you're just going to be hearing more and more about how we're trying to help other churches. Uh, We have a Spanish church plant down the hall. If you speak Spanish, that might be a better church for you. Um, And when I say that, kind of funny, but also true. We had the Reformed Church, uh, Jacob's Well here. And uh, we love even Reformed people. So we love them all, right? And God is just using us, I think, in those great ways. So we're excited for that. Well, I'm excited to, to dive into a new series. Uh, I'm having to have a little bit of a, what's called series hangover. Um, not like hangover, so don't worry. Uh, but we had such an amazing series in I Am Community about the responsibility for the body of Christ that I, we knew we were kind of... Uh, treading to get towards these disciplines, and I thought, oh gosh, now i got to talk about disciplines. That's not really fun. Um, it is fun, but I'm just saying I have that feeling a little bit um, this week in studying. We're going to dive into a new series, and the series is, we said, we talked about being community and the, and the body responsibility we have together, but also now we have a soul responsibility. And so we're calling this series The Authentic Soul, and for a couple reasons. Uh, we are a deep people, or at least we're supposed to be. We have an inside of our lives, and the scripture says that we're to be transformed from the inside out. The problem is, many people operate uh, by just cleaning up the outside. The Bible talks about this often and said the Pharisees would clean the outside but not the inside. And so we wanted to talk about a series that said, What work and effort and energy are you putting in to the inside of your life? It's going to point us towards disciplines. Now, another way to look at this is the, is the old uh, picture of an iceberg. And you know that above the iceberg shows very little of, of really the representation of the iceberg that sits below, beneath. We wanted a series that helped us laser in on some of the, the disciplines that we're to be leaning into. Now, there are s- disciplines of omission and commission and Another way to put that would be is there are some disciplines that to stay away from certain things. You know, discipline yourself to abstain from these things. We're not going to spend as much time on those. We want to spend more time on what are the things that we should be leaning into. Now, when we talk about disciplines, this is why I'm talking about that hangover feeling. It's not really fun, right? You need to discipline yourself. Um, Every year, about January 1, most of our nation joins a gym, you know, and then about February, they fail to go anymore, right? Some of you are in that, that camp. Why? Because discipline costs us something. Discipline is hard. Uh, discipline is very rarely like energizing and fun. Uh, it can be eventually, but it's, it's work. It costs us time. It costs us energy. It costs us some emotional uh, energy. And this morning, we, we want to dive into that, but I, I want to just quickly think, have you think about why is it that we're not very disciplined? Interesting enough, in our culture today, we have so much available to us. I mean, you can buy apps and things to attach to wrists and body parts that you could pretty much, it'll say how much you've exercised, how many calories you need to burn. I mean, you could even stare at that chocolate cake and figure out how far you have to walk, right, to burn it off. I mean, where in the world history did we have such a gift to, to us, right? We could figure out so much. We have so much in front of us spiritually. 
We're in a season and time where we were laughing. Somebody, we were saying, just on our iPads and our phones. Think about, the guy was saying in his phone last service, I have 40 different Bibles on this phone. We, we have, I, I think in my iPad, I have 50,000 different commentaries, right? I mean, it's ridiculous what we have, yet we find it difficult for us to lean into some of these spiritual disciplines. Uh, a couple thoughts. So Jesus tells a couple uh, stories. One is the rich young ruler. Remember that? The rich young ruler asks the question that really is the wrong question. As we heard, I heard Mark Batterson talk about this. I thought it was great. He asks, he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, we already know that's a wrong question to ask, right? Because we can do nothing to inherit the kingdom of God. We can do nothing. It's all by faith uh, through God's grace given to us. But what does Jesus say to him anyway? He says, well, uh, if, if you've done this commandment and this commandment, and they kind of go through a few of them. And what does he say? I've done all those things. And then Jesus says, well, sell everything and follow me. And he doesn't. Very disappointing, very sad, uh, very dark picture. I want to focus in on just on one aspect. Part of the problem is many people live their Christian life around rules. And if they just get all the right rules right and they check the boxes of doing all the right things, if you treat a discipline like I'm just trying to do this, so that I look spiritual or I'm doing the right things because God wants me to do this. We're going to talk about reading this morning, reading the scripture. If you just check the box this morning of saying, I've done it, now what else should I do, God? You've missed it. You've absolutely missed it. Uh, I have kept over the years uh, all the different cards that Trisha has given me um, over the years, even we were dating. And... And for me to just all of a sudden just to dive into those and to open them up and read and to study it and look at, she said she loved me, see, it's for real. Um, she loves this about me. And yet I don't let that sink into my life and miss that she's right there. The letters are great. I think often we've treated our spiritual lives like just a checking the boxes of getting the right things done. And we kind of read even scripture this way. We kind of read our, our scriptures like, well, I'm just checking the box because I'm supposed to do this. Wow, what a miserable life. What a, what a miserable way to lead in our faith, to, to walk in our faith, if it's just about rules and checking boxes. There's another parable that Jesus tells, and that's the one in Matthew where he talks about the parable of the talents. Remember that one? He gives one five, one two, and one one talent debates on what the actual talent is. Is it actual money or gifts given? Or is it time given to you? Needless to say, we, we enter into that parable and it's quite interesting. One invests the five and gets five more. The two does the same. But the one buries it. You would think, especially in economy today, that would be a really smart thing, right? We can just get, break even. And what does Jesus say in the end of the parable? You wicked servant. I think some people today, in their spiritual journey, they're, they're afraid of getting things wrong. They're afraid of maybe of messing up, and so they don't want to risk and take uh, risks and chances in their spiritual journey, and so they play safe. And so we have a lot of safe players in our culture today. I think it's why they don't, they don't discipline themselves, and they don't launch, uh, launch themselves out into a deeper relationship with Christ. These are just a couple thoughts, but I, I know there are others that maybe even 
blame others for the lack of growth in their spiritual journey and why they're not disciplined. It could be that you're, you know what, the church is just not doing enough. They don't have the right programs for me. The, the pastor just doesn't get it right every week. Amen. I agree. I don't get it right every week. But when we start to live this way of waiting for our spiritual lives to change without going below, without disciplining ourselves, we find ourselves empty. And so this morning, I'm going to have us ask three questions about ourselves. Uh, but before that, I want you to hear the passage for the week or for this series. And it comes out of 1 Timothy. It's really 4, 7, and 8, but in the message it goes through, four through or 7 through 10. And it, I love the way the, the message reads this. You've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Uh, very clear, just pass on what you've heard from me. Now listen to this. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. That's very relevant for us today. We can play church, we can do those things very well, right? And we can begin to play religion. He says, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. This is a great little passage for us to think about for the rest of this series. How much exercise are you spiritually doing for your journey? See, it's really easy to kind of say, I need to find a good church that grows me up. Okay, I agree. We need to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That's, that's so true. We need to teach the truth. But at some point, you have to go below the waterline and work on the iceberg yourself, your inner life. You've got to discipline yourself. It says, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but disciplined life in God is far more so making you fit for both today and forever. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why we've thrown ourselves into this venture so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. That's why we throw ourselves in. This morning, I, I want you to hear a first installment, but I want you to be thinking about this series. What work are you doing below the waterline? What are you doing in your own life? Reminds me of the story of the young pastor, the young pastor who uh, had not done a funeral service, and there was a homeless man in town that had passed away, and the city had asked that he would actually do the, the funeral service. There was no uh, friends or family there, and so he realized he might be there alone. And so he uh, rushed to get to the cemetery and could not find it. Heartbroken, he realized about 45 minutes late, he thought he was going to miss this. He pulls up, runs out to the to the field where he sees a backhoe filling in this, uh, the, the gravesite. Just completely defeated, but just feeling this new sense of just determination, says, I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to preach the sermon of my life. Just him and two workers at this, with this backhoe there. So he does, 45 minutes, talks about salvation and, and the hope of the world and Jesus Christ and closes his Bible and walks away. And the two guys look at themselves and said, Fred... I've been putting in septic tanks for 30 years. I have never seen that happen. I think some people in churches today are spending a lot of time and a lot of energy and it's doing nothing. We spent a whole series talking about things that the body of Christ does and yet if you're only dealing with the upper part, above the waterline stuff, 
and not getting to this deeper stuff, you're not going to be fulfilled. This morning, I don't want you to waste your time uh, dedicating septic tanks in our lives. I, I want you to think about what is it going to take for you to begin to read. We talk about our Bibles a lot here. Obviously, every week we talk from this book called the Bible. We've talked about messages uh, about where this book came from, how it was put together, the value of it, what it can do for our lives. We've talked a lot about this in every season, a couple times a year, we'll talk about this book. Why? Because statistics show that if you're a growing believer, you're reading it. You're reading it. And I'll hear people all the time saying, I'm not growing in my spiritual life, I'm stagnant, I don't feel very deep. Are you reading your Bible? No, I just don't get that thing. Or I don't read, right? I've heard a lot of dudes say that. I don't read. Uh-huh, right. And this morning, I want you to, to just hear three questions and maybe ask yourself about these questions. Why is it that 80%, 88% of Americans own a Bible, about 4.4 Bibles in every home, 80% think that the Bible is sacred. Most of in this room believe that this is a holy book. 61%, though, if I were to ask a straw poll in this room, would say they wish they read it more. 37% read the Bible more than once a week. And now we wonder about the next generation. 57% of 18 to 28-year-olds read less than three times a year. And we wonder why churches and gatherings and, and are not experiencing a next-generation rush of, of new believers. What are we passing on? What's the discipline that we have in our lives? Friends, disciplines are not very fun. I got to learn about disciplines very early, obviously, in my life as being an 18-year-old in the Marine Corps. This is not where you have a choice or an option like in church today to say, hey, we're going to give you an option of disciplines that you might want to try. They basically tell you what you're going to be disciplining yourself to do. And you learn things like making your bed. You learn things about dress and ironing your clothes. You learn some basics, some discipline. And those never for the moment feel good. They never for the moment feel like they're doing anything. But over time, you find that it does something to you. I want you to ask yourself three questions this morning. I'm going to do it out of three texts. I wanted to rest in one, but I couldn't do it. So apologize just a little bit. Um, Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is the first one. Jesus is doing his first sermon. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And we know that Jesus uh, is, is launching out his ministry where he's going to begin to, for the next three years, uh, create and develop and, and pour into these disciples. So these are the first words that he begins to, to give to his followers. Now, it's classically called the Beatitudes, not the Do-attitudes. Uh, notice the difference there. It's not something you do. Jesus is going to describe what does it mean to be a follower of mine, to be a part of this family of God. And in Matthew 5, 6, he gives a list of them. Here's one I want to just point out, and I want to ask you a question with it. It says, blessed are those who, are hu who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When was the last time you were hungry? I mean really hungry. Now, we just packed these meals for these kids, and I could have put a picture up of a starving child. Horrible picture, right? You've seen those. Trisha said that in the Feed My Starving Children, when they deliver that food, there are kids that will 
they'll mix the powder up for some, but some will just take a scoop of the powder and put it in their backpack to take home for later. That's hunger. I, I would probably wager to say most of us in this room have not experienced extreme hunger. Now, I've fasted for five days just doing water. I've done that. Where, like, you smell chicken and you feel like you're taking bites out of it. I mean, that's that hungry. I've been in the Marine Corps where we had dehydrated food for two weeks and you poured water in it and you couldn't wait to have a real meal. But when is the last time you hungered and thirst? Jesus is saying here, when was the last time you had a passion, a, an aching in your soul to say, I long for more of God? I long for that drink, for that nugget of truth, for that, for that meal that God brings. When was the last time you hungered? Now we know in our bodies, right, we, we have really bad dietary habits in our country, right? There's a ton of documentaries out there, don't get me riled up, but there's a lot of them, right? And we know you could eat like a bag of Doritos, right? How many have done that? Just confession, really quick. I've done it. There's like halfway hands, like you're just a real nervous, aren't you? Come on, you've eaten like something like you've cleared a box of crackers, and then you say, I'm still hungry. I think a lot of our culture today has found ourselves doing things and eating things and taking in things that we think are good, but they're not meeting that, that hunger we have. When was the last time you were hungry? The writer here is saying, blessed are those. Another, another way to say this would be is, happy are those who hunger and thirst for the rightness of God's way. The rightness of God's truth. The words of God. The word in the scripture means, is logos, is in the Greek. It means, it's, it's greater than just a definition of a word. It's, it's, it's directional. It's, as the psalmist will say, it's a light to my path. It gives me direction. There's, there's meaning and hope behind it. When's the last time you've longed to hear the words? Early on as a dad, I remember having, after we had four girls, uh, I had read some books about being a dad for daughters. And really, it's no different than for boys in some ways, but that, that kids, we want to hear something from our parents, don't we? We want to hear that they love us. There's something about hearing that. And now even as a parent, there's something so great to hear that from my kids when they say, I love you, Dad. There's something so powerful about that. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for being in that right standing with God, for they're going to be satisfied. You're going to hear it. And just, ah, take a breath. My first question for you this morning is, are you hungry or thirsty? We could have went a hundred different directions about talking about the truth this morning and about the word and the Bible and reading. I just want to probe a little bit and ask you, are you really hungry or thirsty? Maybe that's where you just need to stop this morning and ask, what else are you putting in your life? Isn't that what we do? We put stuff into our lives trying to fill a deeper need, a deeper longing, and we fill it with things that we think are going to fill that. Could be sin, could be being busy, could be money, could be success. We chase so many different things and it does not fulfill. Are you hungry and thirsty for that satisfying drink and that meal that God offers this morning? 
The next question comes out of a different passage, and it's in Psalms 1. Psalms 1, one of my favorite psalms, that first section. The psalmist uh, writes many things, but listen to this in these first three verses. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way of si- that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight. It's the last time you use that word. Whose delight that you just, you enjoy sitting, listen to this, is in the law of the Lord. Not only are you, are you hungry and thirsty, but do you have a sense of just sitting in the delight of just hearing God speak to your life? And who meditates on this law day and night. You can't get enough. That person is like, there's a metaphor now, that person's like a tree planted by streams of water uh, it's, which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. You can just see the picture, can't you? This stream and this massive oak tree with roots that just go so deep and some of them you can see exposed because the shoreline by the water and there's, there's leaves and it's, it's plentiful. This, the psalmist is saying, Who, when's the last time you've delighted in hearing truth from God? Often, what I hear is pe- people are nervous to pick it up. They don't want to delight because there's a lot of things that God asks of us in here that's not very delightful, right? Because we find out what we need to begin to not do and not be a part of and move toward. The question this morning, not only is, are you spiritually hungry and thirsty, but is your spiritual life shallow? How deep is it? How deep is your spiritual journey? The Bible talks about many will continue to to attend church and gatherings and be a part of the body of Christ, but the writer Paul, or the Hebrew writer, will talk about there are some that are still drinking like infant milk. They're still just drinking the, the, the infant formula of milk, and they've been Christians forever. And so there are many that have attended even here at Community Church that say they're believers and yet have yet to, to go cover to cover with this story that God's given us. Maybe that's why it's shallow. Maybe you're depending on someone else to give you the Bible, and that's kind of checking the box for you, and you're not diving it on your own. This morning, not only is it a hunger and thirst question, it's also a depth question about how deep are you. The last part of it here, this, Thomas Brooks says it this way, which we're going to get into. The, the word of the Lord is, the light, is a light to guide you. It's a counselor to counsel you, a comfort to comfort you, a staff to support you, a sword to defend you, a physician to cure you. The word is a mind to enrich you. You're, you're bringing out minerals and and rare gems, a robe to clothe you and a crown to crown you. Thomas Brooks. It is full of so much. And which leads us to this last passage is Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 is a great passage. In fact, the book of Hebrews is so rich, it's it's probably a book we need to do here. But in 4, the writer is going to start to talk about entering into the Sabbath rest. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, God creates the earth, right? And then the seventh day, he rested. 
And the, one of the greatest penalties or laws to break in Israelite time was breaking the Sabbath. Why? It was one day that God set apart for the Israelites to say, you will not be defined by your work. Let's just stop there for a moment. How many of us have a full day where we don't work? Where we don't do anything in the house? Where we're not preparing or cleaning up? We're not hurrying or scurrying or driving around. Isn't that amazing? And, and you could be punished harshly for not entering that. Why is that so important to God? He didn't want us to get caught up in the doing. Is work good for us? It sure is. We have roles and purposes, but he wants us to be defined by his relationship and love for us. So the Israelites were to told to, to, to have Sabbath, Shabbat. And still today, you know, Jews in Israel and Jews all over the world will, will celebrate Shabbat and to not do anything. Remember I told you being in Israel, it's so great. The Shabbat elevator is the one you don't want to be on because they don't push buttons, anything electronic. So it stops at every floor, all the way up, 20, all the way back down. Where do we stop? So the writer here is saying that this isn't a rule don't treat this as a rule of like you're in trouble, you have to stop, and you feel punished on the seventh day. You have, to, you have to do something for God to please him. No, he says the seventh day is a gift. I want you to enter into that and not be fooled to be that you're de de defined or, or, or your whole life is around what you do. I am your father. And so the writer is saying, verse 11... Let us move forward to enter into this rest so that none of us fall into the kind of faithless disobedience that prevented them from entering. He's talking about the Israelites. Israelites would check the box and follow the rule. Let's make sure we do all the rules. What would happen is God at the end of the Old Testament in Malachi says what? It says, you've, I hate your worship. I, I hate the festivals that you put together. Because you've missed the point. I'm paraphrasing. I wanted your heart. I didn't want you just to simply do all the right things and make sure that you don't do the bad things. I wasn't asking you just to follow all this set of rules like I'm a judge with a gavel and hitting it and saying, you know, you've lived your life incorrectly or correctly. I'm giving you a gift. It is in that sense that the writer now saying, enter into the gift. And what does he say? Verse 12, the word of God, you see, is alive and moving. An Israelite never saw this just as a book. They saw this as words from a creator. And, and the metaphor that's used is like honey, like, like eating honey and then taking in the word of God that would, would satisfy a hunger, a spiritual hunger. It says the word of God is alive and moving. It's not just a science textbook to define the Hebrew and Greek words, to figure out the right answer. I get so frustrated in Christendom today where we, we have these arguments about theology, and rightly so, some of them are, are good to talk about. But we treat this more as a science textbook, and we forget about the author. This is a beautiful story of the one who inspired to have it here. And he left it for us to know more about him and his story, that we might live and follow him, and that he write his story onto our lives. 
The Word of God is alive and moving. As some texts will say, living and active. That means, friends, I could pick this book up year after year after year and read the same passages and guess what it'll do. It doesn't change, but it impacts me even deeper, even deeper, even deeper. The Word of God is, you see, alive and moving, sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing and dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the will of the heart. No creature can hide from God. God sees all. Everyone and everything is exposed, open for his inspection. And he is the one, uh, and he is the one we will have to explain ourselves to. Can I just remember the, the iceberg? God sees underneath the water line in your life. Why are we calling this series Authentic Soul? Because you're the only one and God that knows what's legitimately happening on the underside of your life, in the inside of your life. And that's where discipline comes in. God's not happy with my discipline. I don't impress God with my discipline. I begin to change myself through discipline. When I show up every morning and begin to open up the word, even when I don't want to, even when I'm tired, even when I'm frustrated, even when I'm in sin, there's something about that regular discipline that starts to shape the inner part of me and make me different. Discipline costs us. Are you in a place of unrest? I asked you three questions. I asked you, are you hungry and thirsty? I asked you, how deep is your spiritual journey? Are you in a place of unrest? Any of these questions to be answered, I would call you right to the discipline of read. Begin to read. Because God's inviting us to not only have our hunger satisfied and our thirst quenched, He's not only saying, I'm going to deepen your soul to the depths that you will not even know. The roots will go deeper. You will find a sense of of fruit coming out of your life, as Galatians 5 will say. But you will also find a sense of rest. Don't we want rest? So many Christians today find themselves trying to impress God and others. And it's the Christian busyness of just, ah, i got to do more for God. i got to give more. And everybody's guilty and shamed. God didn't call us to live that way. He called us to live in a place of peace, of blessedness, makarios. It's, it's a place of inward, a sense of shalom. I'm resting in the one that loves me. I'm resting in that hope. How do you find that? The voice summarizes that text. I love it. It says, by God's word, everything finds a rhythm. This, this book won't address every specific question you have. And so skeptics will, will say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this. Well, it may not address the specific question, but it is able to answer any specific question. It gives us enough on values and how do I live our lives and what God calls us to. Finds a rhythm, a place, it, it, it fills, it empowers, it enlivens, it redeems us. But it also, listen to this, divides and destroys. We just read that. There are some things in our lives that need destroying. There's some things in our lives that need to be destroyed. And the Word will do that. 
It will open you up in some spaces. It will start to do that surgical part of you that you'll say, this needs to change. It pierces and exposes our disobedience and unfaithfulness. Just when I might think I've arrived in my spiritual journey, it's reading. That will expose, Once again, I recognize I'm so thankful that he allows me through faith and grace to enter in, and it's not performance, because I fail. Really, the challenge that we're saying this morning is to read. Start that discipline. Now, Mike Vandermoss, our communications director, is going to start a page on our site, and it's going to have options. You can go to Uversion. There's different software. Can I tell you, no matter where you're at in your journey, you should start reading your Bible. Not because you're trying to impress me or try to impress God, because it's what God left for us to have our thirst and hunger satisfied. It's what he left for us to deepen our spiritual journey. It's what he left for us to find peace and rest. And if you answered in in any of those three questions of uncertainty and, and restlessness, can I just tell you, read, start there. Start there. Do not wait for a pastor every week, once a week, to come up with the food serving. You need to go and begin to do that. Start at five minutes, start at 10 minutes, go to 15, grow. And I guarantee you, if you begin to get in and you begin to open up your heart and mind, God will begin to deepen your life, satisfy that thirst. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts, though, to enter into this because. I think sometimes we've, we've treated this book in so many, I think, adulterous ways. First, before you go and start to crack this book open, pray and ask the Spirit to give you wisdom. The Scripture says that God and His Spirit are the ones that teach us truth. Yes, there are pastors and teachers. Yes, there's great curriculum out there. All those are great, but it's the Holy Spirit. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Because you might have heard the same verse for years, but it's that one morning, that one time that you randomly read it, that God just laser beams right between the eyes and gets you. It's the Spirit. Ask for the Spirit's direction and guidance in your life. The next is this. Read and understand the story. I think we have way too many people trying to, to take this like a puzzle piece, and they're they're like, they're, they're spiritual detectives. I'm going to figure out the Greek and Hebrew, and I'm going to get the right interpretation. And now we have websites up there of saying the right things to think about and the wrong things to think about. And while I, I would agree with some, the purpose of the Scripture isn't for us to figure it all out. The purpose for us is to hear and understand the story of grace for every one of us. And that we follow that grace. And that we follow Jesus Christ as best we can. And to understand that, sure, you're going to have to research and, and to probably look for help. But can I just tell you, understand the story. Quit trying to figure out. Everybody lasers into passages in certain parts of it. Man, just pick up John and read Jesus' story. Then go to Matthew and read another version Another disciple talking about the life of Jesus. Just read it. Understand the story. 
The next part is research. And this is where spiritual arrogance comes in. I know that so many people today view the scripture and they'll think, well, I got it now. I, I know what that, that means. Friends, there have been men and women centuries that have given their lives well more than a collective of all of us in this room have searched the scriptures for truth and meaning. I would continue to research. If you look at a passage that's confusing, go ask someone who maybe is further down the road in, in understanding scripture. Go look at commentaries. There's so much out there. Research, dig, dig. But last, you can't just read this and put it down. You've got to respond. Uh, there are a lot of people today, I think, that don't pick this up for this last reason. Because you know. That's where the debate comes in. You mean God's going to ask me to move out? You mean God's going to ask me to forgive? You mean God's asking me what? Don't get into this reading if you're not ready to respond. This morning, we just want to let some scriptures kind of just be breathed over you. And so we just put these up on a screen and Bobby and the team are going to come up and just, you know, play lightly. But I want you to think about the thirst, the hunger, the depth in your own spiritual journey. And if you're unrestful, maybe that God's calling you to begin to read. Listen to some of these scriptures. Uh, read them on the screen. You may want to write a couple of them down. Let me pray for us and then we'll dive right in. Father, we pray this morning that we'd be a church that's reading the story, this beautiful story in the Bible about you redeeming this lost and broken world. God, we thank you for that truth. We thank you for how you have brought Jesus to us, given Jesus to us, through his life, death, and resurrection. And God, that me, we might even begin to just learn more about that beautiful story. Call us to read, Father. Spirit, will you right now, as we just see these passages, just breathe life into us. In Jesus' name, amen.